Tonight's story is called, I was a security guard for a store that doesn't exist, and what I saw will haunt me forever. Written by Bad Andy the Red on r slash no sleep. Two weeks of work for almost six grand. How could I refuse? That was what I thought when I was looking at that bizarre listing in an email I had received. It said, Temporary night security needed for local antique and clothes shop. Two-week contract, $6,000 upon completion of contract. I was shocked that it was still available when I had contacted the store. The owner had answered the call and had told me I was hired on the phone without even asking for any references or my resume. I had never actually worked security before, but I was on the larger side and trained in self-defense and knew how to aim a flashlight, so I figured I'd give it a shot. I had just been laid off my previous job due to downsizing, and even though security work is not my specialty, I told myself I would make it work with a sort of money. Part of me was thinking, even back then, what the catch was to be getting that much more than minimum wage, but beggars can't be choosers. I left with plenty of time to find the place and arrive without being late. It was a strange little store down a disturbingly barren stretch of road, almost two miles from the nearest shopping center. Kind of a bad place if you're trying to sell anything. But I guess it doesn't matter as long as the money is good. I pulled into a dingy parking lot and saw a faded little sign that indicated the business was known as The Proud Tailor. They apparently sold antiques and old apparel. They must have made a solid business to pay this much for security. I wondered why it was so much and why it was only two weeks though. I guess that it didn't matter and I got out of my car taking my flashlight since it was already very dark and there was very little in the way of parking lot lights out here. As I walked through the lot, I almost walked right past the entrance. I had to turn back and do a double take. It was odd, but it almost seemed, when looking at it from the right angle, to sort of look blurry, almost like a heat mirage. I was interrupted from the strange days when another car arrived in the lot. I walked over to it and met my contract, Mr. Jaspin. He regarded me curtly, thanked me for being on time, then immediately, without skipping a beat, launched into a tirade of rules for this job that I felt I would need a notebook just to write down and keep track of. Excuse me, sir, what? Was the first of many interjections I had made when hearing the bizarre tasks I was now expected to perform at my new, albeit temporary, place of employment. Yes, I know it sounds weird, but the owner is a pretty weird man, honestly. But he pays well considering. He put on his best appealing smile and continued with the weird list. I listened with increasing incredulity to this man, who besides the owner on the phone, was the only contact I had made thus far when taking this job. After he had gone over six of them, I made a note list on my phone and had him repeat several of them. Oh my, he said in a somewhat condescending tone. I hope your observation skills are better than your listening ones. Very well, once more here are the rules. I was annoyed by the insult, but ready with my note app this time. Hours of security would be from 10pm to 6am. No taking breaks in the store. Breaks must occur in the external security booth. Lunch break must occur at 2.30am and must not occur in the building. No touching any of the merchandise. Especially no touching of displays. At 1am precisely, the customer bathroom must be inspected and cleaned if necessary. If there is trash in the receptacle near the back room, please dispose of it in the locking dumpster outside. 
No staring at any displays. Back room is off limits except in emergency situations. Trespassers are to be detained and given to our contact with the police if to be called to arrange removal. Is that all? I thought there was a lot. I said half smirking and nervously laughing a bit after Mr. Jasmine had finished speaking. I gave up on humor when he glowered back at me and decided I should just listen. His friendly demeanor was broken and he flatly stated that the rules are the rules for a reason. Keep to them and there will be no problems. If you do not follow them, then we cannot guarantee your si- He paused mid-sentence and corrected. Cannot guarantee full compensation for the services rendered. Please abide by them at all times. He humorously bid me good night and left, leaving me alone in the parking lot without even having a proper tour of the inside of the building I would be guarding or any other type of orientation beyond the meticulous listing of rules. This was really weird, and I found myself wishing I had found something a bit more run-of-the-mill and less bizarre, even if it paid less. But I reminded myself of how much money it would be, and I decided to try and ignore the nagging feelings in my gut and get to work, whatever that looked like here. I took a quick stroll around the perimeter of the store. It was not too big, but something about it made walking near and around it feel like it took longer than it should have. It felt like with how small it appeared from the parking lot, I could be around the building in two minutes flat, but somehow it took me five minutes to go back to the front where I had started. I brushed it off as maybe just being distracted by the new scenery and the barren surroundings, perhaps as well the unnerving darkness and quiet surrounding the place. At least without light pollution, the moon was visible, but it was faint and everything was still very dark. I decided to head to the security booth and get set up. The security room, if you could even call it a room and not just a repurposed tool shed, was very dingy. At least it was well lit, since it was so small the single overhead light bulb made it so. There was a small CCTV which appeared to be connected to three security cameras positioned in the store. I went to switch them on, but they appeared to be dead. I saw a note attached below one of the monitors indicating that the cameras were out of service and that a manual inspection of the building would be required at one hour intervals. There was an antique looking brass key that I figured must be the store's key. I pocketed it and sat down. I was not sure what to do in the booth out here without working cameras. Just watch for people trying to break in around the lot, maybe? I figured I would patrol the perimeter every 30 minutes to get some steps in and see if anything was happening. In between checking in on the store and patrolling inside per the hour mandate mentioned on the note. I brought a few books to read while waiting between patrols and tried to get comfortable in the hard steel chair I had been given to sit on in the security station. I thought that maybe they could afford to pay so much for the security job because they didn't spend a dime on any amenities for actual security personnel. After an uneventful hour of sitting in the security shack, I started to call it, since anything more formal would be an insult to actual security stations. I realized I had to get up and head inside to do my rounds for the first time. I grabbed my flashlight and walked to the front door again. I saw the strange distortion near it once more and wondered what in the world could cause that hazy effect. I hoped it was not a gas leak or something. I fumbled with the odd key for a moment and the door creaked open on loud hinges. It was freezing inside, somehow even colder than outside. I didn't think that was possible unless they had some sort of air conditioner on, which would be bizarre since it was winter. I was wishing I had brought a warmer coat, but I had a job to do, so I pushed inside through the frigid air and into the store proper. 
There was minimal lighting inside when it was closed. I was glad I had my flashlight, but still wished there was at least a few overhead lights I could turn on while patrolling. Every switch I had found appeared to be shut down and no additional lights could be turned on. The main floor was not too large and I decided to do a circuit around the floor and then once through the middle and call it good. I took a small path to the right and passed some shelves with musty books and library paraphernalia. Round in the corner I saw some very disturbing looking mannequins near the back wall. They were all wearing old fashioned and ornate Victorian era clothing. The faces and general air of the looming figures was very creepy and I didn't like how as I walked the heads always seemed to be facing me. But I figured I was just a bit creeped out by the strangers of the store and would get used to it on subsequent patrols. I saw near the mannequin wall a door and a restroom sign and knew that was on my checklist. I thought I might clean it now, but the rules said it to check at 1am exactly, so I decided to abide by them and check back then. I kept walking, passing by racks of old clothes and wall displays of tools off, relics and even some weapons. I didn't see anything out of the order on my rounds, for the first time, at least whatever order looks like from this weird store. I looked back briefly into the freezing store and closed and locked the door again and returned to the security shack. I went through the motions several more times uneventfully. I had taken my break and just read straight through it. I thought about the break rule and I didn't know who would be crazy enough to want to take a break or lunch in that musty refrigerator with those creepy mannequins watching you. At 1am I checked the bathroom. It looked unused and fortunately there was no mess to clean up. I was about to leave when I saw a faint red stain near the base of the sink. I turned on the water and used some antibacterial wipes to clean it away. I didn't know what it was, but it may have been blood, so best to take precautions. When leaving, the creepy mannequins caught my eye again, and I could have sworn I saw an odd red stain on the coat of one that was not there before. I took the garbage from the bathroom, and as I was heading out, I remembered I had to check the other garbage and look for the back room door to see a portable garbage can. It was very heavy, and I wondered how they could produce this much waste in a day. I took both garbages out back and took them out to a sealed dumpster. Inside the heavy can was a triple sealed bag. It smelled pretty bad and I didn't even want to know what kind of funky shit was in it. I pulled the lever on the dumpster to lower the tray and put the bulging garbage bag on, along with the smaller bathroom garbage. I pushed it back into place and heard a heavy thumping fall and a kind of an eerie squishing sound. I don't even want to know, I thought to myself yet again that night. I returned to the security shack and sat back down. The rest of the first night was uneventful and I was hoping it would stay that way for the next couple weeks and I could just get my payday and not spend any more time in that bizarre place. The next two days were fairly uneventful, though the mundane nature of those two nights meant that when the hammer fell, I was too comfortable and way less prepared for the insanity of the next night. It was Thursday, my fourth night, and I had arrived a little late when I started my patrol. I had found broken glass out near the back where the dumpster was. I thought it was odd, but I was a bit more concerned when I noticed that amidst the glass was what looked like clothing fabric and traces of blood. This set me on edge, but I couldn't find anything else nearby, so I reluctantly returned to the security shack. I wish I had been given a contact number besides the police line that, according to the rules, was meant only for when we needed to detain trespassers. I thought maybe I should make a note of it and ask Mr. Jaspin when I spoke with him next. It was time to go into the store and do my rounds. It was bitterly cold as usual and I saw 
as I was walking around that some displays had been knocked over and there was a bit of a mess in the aisles. It was strange that whoever had closed and not cleaned up. I was told to not even touch the merchandise, so I didn't know if I should put it back or not. I decided in this case that it might be okay. I was not going to steal anything after all, so I bent down and started collecting a few articles of clothing and placing them back on the clothes rack. When I finished, I looked around and was shocked when the mannequins all seemed to be looking directly at me. Not just the ones on the wall, who were already facing the center, but the other ones as well. I was getting a bit freaked out and I started to hear a high-pitched buzzing noise as well. I resolved to finish up and get out of there as quickly as I could. Then I realized my misfortune, I had to use the bathroom just then. I ran away from the staring eyes of the mannequins and used the customer restroom where I always did, since the security shack had no facilities. When I finished, I decided to just take the trash out now and clean up the bathroom. It was only 11pm, but I figured I had already touched the merchandise, so why not get the bathroom done while I was at it? One less thing to worry about. The garbage by the bathroom seemed to be empty, so I left and returned to the security shack. At 1am, I went back inside to my rounds again, but something was off. The building was slightly warmer, and I noticed that a rather foul smell was coming from the bathroom. I had just cleaned there, I thought. How was this possible? I opened the door and somehow the garbage was full of strips of bloody cloth and surgical needles. The sort of thing normally needed to be disposed of in a biohazard crate. There were other less obvious things in the bin, and after my disgust at the smell died down, I paused and became very concerned. I had already cleaned this out. How the hell did it get here now? Was someone else here? I suppressed a shudder and decided to step outside as I was leaving. I heard the smash of glass and it sounded like it was coming from outside. I ran outside and saw a figure sprinting around the corner of the store. I dropped the bag of garbage and shouted, STOP! as loud as I could, but they raced on and I gave chase. They were moving so quickly I knew I couldn't catch up. Then they slipped on something and fell. As I caught up I saw that it turned out to be a small pool of some liquid. I raced over to the prone form and found a young man. He was panting hard and what appeared to be blood was all over him. I didn't know if he was possibly a threat. He looked more scared than dangerous. But if he was desperate to get away, he could be unsafe so I approached slowly. He was a small and fairly young, maybe 18 or 19. Had no remarkable features besides a faint scar over his right eyebrow and some sort of tree branch tattoo on his right arm. Holy shit, dude, you scared the hell out of me. What are you doing? I asked him, out of breath and trying to regain my composure. You, he started. You have to help me, he blurted out, still panic-stricken about something. I didn't know what he was doing. All I heard was a glass breaking somewhere, and he was there taking off running. His behavior did not seem to indicate vandalism, but why was he here? Alright, slow down and tell me what happened. Who are you, and what were you doing here? I asked him as calmly as I could to try and de-escalate the situation. Okay, okay, just... took a deep breath. <sighs> just listen, I need to find my sister. She was at the store, or whatever this place is, when it was somewhere else and she went missing. I listened to him as panic and frenzy started welling up in his voice again. I, I don't know how this place is here or why it is, but I need to find her before it is gone again. It looked like he was speaking sincerely, even though I couldn't make sense of it. What do you mean before it's gone again? I asked. This place, this, 
weird store. It was in a shopping mall, this, this exact store. You mean they moved here? I tried to clarify. No, this exact store. He shouted back to me. Look, friend, I don't know what you think is going on here, but I assure you it is just here. Your sister's not here. No one else is even here right now, and it looks like you are in a bad way. I said as I looked at his haggard appearance and the blood staining his clothes. I tried to calm him down and managed to take him to the security shack. I told him I would call the police line I was given and that they could help him find his sister. I didn't know if he was delusional or schizophrenic or something, but I figured I needed help in this case, so I finally called the number. There was a substantial wait considering it was supposed to be a police line, and someone finally answered. Stanton speaking was the terse and fairly agitated voice on the other line. I explained the situation to him, and I thought I heard an annoyed groan suppressed on the other line, filled by a quick, I'll be right over, hold him and wait, and the line went dead. Real cherry fellow, I muttered sarcastically to myself. The young man who still hadn't given me his name was sitting on the floor in the shack, not taking his eyes off the main building. He wouldn't speak anymore, but the panicked look never left his eyes. I started to second-guess myself and thought maybe something was in there. I did not know for certain everything that was in that place, like the back room, for example. Then I thought of the weird garbage I saw after I had already cleaned it. I tried to break the awkward silence and asked him about the tattoo he had. That's cool. What's that supposed to be? I asked him. He paused as if considering if he should answer, then he finally responded and said, It's a hazel branch. My sister and I each have one in honor of our mother who passed away. We waited for a little over an hour. I was wondering if the officer was going to show up and consider calling the normal emergency services, but I didn't want to get in trouble if I broke the rules. I needed the money. It was almost my lunchtime, and I was getting hungry and impatient. I was about to call again when I heard a blood-curdling scream from what sounded like inside the store. Before I knew what was going on, the man stood up and rushed and sprinted to the main door, taking the keys with him. He knocked me out of the chair, and I fell hard to the ground. I didn't have time to stop him. He was in the store before I could get up and chase after him. Once I got to my feet and rushed to the building, I saw the lights of the patrol car approach. A large man stepped out. I didn't recognize the uniform. Something seemed off. I realized even though he wore a police uniform, there were not any identifying features on it, besides just looking like a generic police outfit. His car, too. Though it had lights, did not appear to be city, state, or county sheriff. I didn't know what was up. Right then, I didn't care. We needed to see what was going on inside with that scream with the young man. I explained the situation. The man, Stanton as he said his name, looked at his watch and grimaced. Oh shit, why did it have to be now? He looked concerned and I was about to ask him what was wrong. When he put a hand up and told me in no uncertain terms. Thank you for the heads up. I'll handle it from here. I was confused. Wait, handle it? Don't you need help in there? What are we going to do? I asked him, trying to hide my nervousness. No, sir, he responded curtly. It is 2.30 a.m. and you have a lunch to attend. In fact, for that matter, considering the situation, why don't you take the rest of the night off? It's not going to be safe in there and the professionals will handle it. Wait, what? What do you mean? I stammered out. Someone is in there and possibly someone else who needs help or someone who is something dangerous. Don't you need backup or something? I asked, feeling the tension increase. He paused for a moment and looked very threatened as he shifted his gaze back toward me. I already called backup, 
They will be here shortly. Thank you again, but you have to leave now. But don't you at least need, like, a statement or something? I asked, not wanting to be left out of whatever was happening, since something didn't feel right. I just took your statement. Now, I'm afraid I'm going to have to insist. As he finished the statement, he rested his hand on the grip of his firearm, and I took the hint from there. This was all felt wrong. I did not want to leave, but he had made it clear I didn't have much of a choice. I considered calling the emergency line and checking if this guy was legit, but as I walked away, I noticed my phone was missing. I looked back and the man's stamp was speaking on his own phone. I couldn't hear anything, but I made out a few words. Dangerous and handled. I got to my car and was idling for a bit when I heard a loudspeaker yell out that I needed to go now. This is a potential crime scene. Clear off or you would be prosecuted. Stanton called out from the door holding a megaphone. I took one last look behind and I left. I still feel guilty about that decision. I didn't know what happened, but I all felt wrong. Maybe I could have done more. I did not hear anything in the news about what happened the next day and was eager for any information. I considered calling Stanton to see what would happen, but I decided against it and called the line I had used to inquire about the position, and the line was disconnected now. What the hell was going on, I wondered. I arrived a little early just to see what happened. I thought the store hours should have seen it open right now, but it was locked up and no one around. I wondered if they had been open at all today. I checked the security shack and as expected, no note, no nothing, no indication of anything that had happened. I stepped inside for my first patrol and did not see anything amiss. The garbage was very full, but besides that, everything seemed spotless. I couldn't find anything wrong. No signs of a struggle, no one around. What the hell happened here? I said softly to myself. I kept walking and I heard a crunch under my foot. I thought I had stepped on glass, but I was shocked and somehow horrified when I saw I had stepped on and crushed my own cell phone. I must have dropped it in here, but I couldn't remember doing it. Besides having a cracked screen now, it looked like it was covered in a dark, brownish liquid. I shuddered when I brought it close to my face and I smelled the metallic tinge of blood. What the hell? I looked around a bit more and couldn't find any other evidence of last night's events. I had a bad feeling something very wrong had happened here. At 1am, I returned and checked the bathroom. It was spotless and no garbage was in there. I left, but I noticed a chill in the building had returned and I swear I had seen a light from underneath the backroom door. Only one more work week. You can do this just one more week, I muttered to myself like a mantra and left. Surprisingly, the next four days and I have anything strange in the store for me. Yet, because of how uneventful and mundane they were, it gave me a growing sense of dread that something was going to happen. Yet, day after day of tense anticipation, there was nothing. On the last day of all days, I saw the thing that I can never unsee. The thing that leads me to writing this account, trying to find any trace of that nightmarish hellscape masquerading as a quaint clothes store. It seemed like the last couple of nights at first, and I was grateful since after that night, I would be able to get my paycheck and be done with this sketchy store. On my first patrol, I took the garbage bin by the back room out since it was almost overflowing. It was incredibly heavy, and as I pulled it along, I must have hit a large rock with a wheel, and it went tumbling over. The very same rock or friction or whatever force in play must have succeeded in cutting open one of the normally sealed bags, and when it splayed its contents out, I thought I was going to vomit, pass out, or scream. 
Instead, I just looked on in horrified confusion as there was what appeared to be pounds of bloody rags, rusted surgical equipment, and some strips of unidentified flesh. The gory bag was inexplicable. My mind raced to try and find some explanation for the grisly contents of the bag. Was someone here doing illegal surgeries or something? The hell is this? I thought of Mr. Jasmine and his creepy smile. The owner had spoken with me on the phone, but never met in person, and the weird police officer, if he really was one. I felt panic sinking in, and how I was involving in whatever the mess was, trying to help them guard whatever this place really was. I had not thought to arrive too early on any day except one to check for sure, but when I had, I didn't see any employees here, much less any customers. Hell, I had never even seen this store open, if it really was a store. I was wondering if I was even going to get paid, or if something bad might happen to me. I left the gruesome bag where it was. I was not going to put my hands on any potential evidence. But I realized in horror as I returned to the security shack that I had indeed just done that. Now could I really just tell someone else? No one else was here. Just me and a bag of bloody evidence of something having happened. If something illegal was happening, how could I prove I was not involved? It's been just me for two weeks. I thought of the young man too. The intruder a few nights ago. I wish I knew what they had done to him. There were too many bad things that could have happened, and I felt sick of the implications of all of them. I felt guilt too. Yet I did not know what I could do now, so I resolved to just finish the night and hopefully get paid, and then maybe put in an anonymous report when I was done with these people. I sat and brooded and became more and more paranoid as the night went on. I did not do my rounds from the store since I had no wish to pass that horrifying bag of organic detritus again. I decided near the end of the night to go into the store one more time and break one of the rules. I had to know. I had to know if someone was in the back room. Was there someone there the whole time at night? Were they responsible for the strange events that had occurred? At 5am on my last patrol, I summoned the courage to do it. I went inside and it felt even colder than it had on previous nights. I slowly approached the back room door and bent down to see if I saw a light on the other side. My suspicion was confirmed. There was a faint glow. I paused briefly, took a deep breath, grasped the handle and slowly turned it. It was unlocked. The smell was awful and I instinctively recoiled before going in. How had I not smelled this on the patrol in the store? I had no idea how it could be this bad and not smell through the door. Unless this was recent? I went into the nauseous miasma, covering my whole face as I did so. There was a bright lamp in the corner by the door that had been illuminating the area, and there were shelves of boxes and various office-like debris around. The back room stretched further down a small hall to the left of the door, and I followed it. This room was so well lit, so I pulled my flashlight back out and switched it on and almost dropped it and screamed. The light, as soon as it was switched on, was shining on two hideous mannequins, sitting on what looked like some sort of workbench. They were both sitting upright and staring straight forward as it watching the back room door for anyone who came in. I let out an exhale as I tried to calm down, realizing it was just more mannequins and regretting the action I did since it meant I had inhaled more of the horrible air back here. Against better judgment, I stepped forward cautiously to get a better look. The faces of them were horribly lifelike and something about it was morbidly mesmerizing. I leaned forward to get a look at one of the left wearing a dark, sleeveless jacket that looked fancy and expensive. The face was hideous, and somehow, it looked like they designed it to be in pain or some other less describable emotion. The surface looked so realistic as well. It almost looked like it had human skin, 
Despite the awful appearance, something looked weirdly familiar, and I noticed an old-looking scar above the eyebrow of the thing. How would a mannequin have a scar? I was puzzled. I felt a rising sense of fear as I looked at the lifelike thing and reached out and touched the hand and my blood ran cold. I felt the hand and it felt warm. I could feel small hairs as well on the surface of the skin and my mind couldn't handle what happened next. I looked further up the arm and turned over to see the forearm, a small tattoo of what I recognized as a hazel branch. I remembered trying to scream, but only a strangled gasp escaped my mouth. I looked at the female mannequin to the right and saw on its left arm the same tattoo. My mind couldn't reconcile the horrifying truth of the situation, and then, whether it was the breathing in of the foul odor or the disguising core of what I knew to be the human bodies turned into these display cases of perversion, I vomited on the floor and nearly toppled over. I stood there, doubled over, panting and retching as I finally regained a bit of composure. It was then that the crowning horror occurred. I still don't know to this day if it really happened, or my disturbed mind just conjured it from the shock of the situation, and the memory of speaking to that young man who had broken in that night, looking for his sister. But as I stood slowly back up, there was a splitting, tearing sound like flesh and muscles breaking stitches, and I heard a wheezing, croaking voice mumble the words, Join us! All semblance of sanity at that moment snapped, and I fled the store, grabbed my stuff from the security shack, and drove as fast as I could, laughing like a lunatic as an impossibility of the situation. I didn't want to be implicated in this situation, so I made an anonymous call to the authorities about what I suspected was some sort of murder, body mutilation, or organ harvesting operation. I did not know if the owner, whoever he might be, would try and cover it all up, but I really was not expecting what I heard when I tried to follow up the next day. I was chastised for making a false report and was warned about wasting police time and effort and how they did not appreciate being sent out to the middle of nowhere for serious crime allegations. I didn't understand, and I asked what they meant. Apparently, they had been an investigation and nothing turned up. Not because of a cover-up, because nothing was there to investigate. There was no store, no business registered at that location. Apparently, not even a building there, just an empty patch of land. I couldn't believe it. It was impossible. I decided to drive out there and check myself, to complete shock. Sure enough, everything was gone. Not just the store, but the sign, the dumpsters, and the security shack. Everything. It is as if it had never existed. How could they remove the entire store in one night and make it look like it never was here? My mind was grasping at rational solutions, but I couldn't conjure any. I tried calling the number I had called to inquire about the job again, but it was still disconnected. I double-checked the email I had received the job listing from, and somehow it had vanished as well. I even looked online for the business, and all I found when looking for the proud tailor were some online shops that sold generic clothes. No odd Victorian-style clothes shops of that name in the city, this state, or even this country. Nothing. What could I do? No trace was left to investigate. No one would be able to find out who owned or operated this nightmare building. There would be no closure for whoever those victims were. As far as the world seemed concerned, the store didn't exist. I started darting my own sanity over the next few weeks. I wondered if somehow all this time it had been some sort of hallucination or terrible lucid dream, or more like a nightmare. I couldn't sleep for the last few days, so I started writing down the events as I remembered them, whether they really happened or not. However, I received something today that gave my answer, and I wished to God I had. 
because what I received is proof that all this happened, and I don't think I can bear the thought of those monsters still existing out there somewhere in the world wherever they went. What I received was a small manila envelope in the mail. It had no return address indicated on the front, but it was addressed to me, and when I opened it, I couldn't believe what I saw. It was $6,000 in cash. Many of the bills looked tinged by a reddish-brown substance and a small note simply saying, Thank you for your services. Ugh. Um, oh. I don't know why that story reminds me of... Oh, this one this one movie where they basically they go to this town where there's like this wax museum thing and uh, this dude literally like covers people in wax, melts their bodies, and, like, just turns them to wax sculptures. Like, I can't even remember what the hell. I think it's, like, Wax Museum or House of Wax or something like that. It was fucked up. This, this is the story that made me think of that. Um, but I hope you enjoyed the story. This was a really long one. I screwed up and tried to read this, like, at, like, 11.30 at night on a work day. <laughs> so I'm, like, out of my mind, tired. But I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. The story is great. I, the first time I read it was awesome. I read it when I was getting my tires swapped out. So... Um, I hope you liked the story. I liked it a lot. Thank you to the author for letting me read it. And don't forget to always face your fears. <laughs>